This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Nightcap Podcast. I know. We're kind of blowing up your feed right now, but it is the season to do so because I, Lindsey Brown, don't just talk on this podcast feed about your Vegas Golden Knights and hockey in general. We have the Playmaker Show each and every day on CBS Sports Radio, 1140, 3 to 5 p.m., and we talk about it live on the radio. So we're trying to take those segments from the radio, put them in the feed along with the standalone episodes that I've been doing. These are the ones where I swear a little bit more. Obviously, the ones on the radio, we have to reel that in ever so slightly. But I figured, since we are in the Stanley Cup semis, this is as good of week as any to just kind of do another one of these. I did a, a kind of a post-mortem after game one, so why not do the same thing for game two? Again, you're listening to The Nightcap. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. Make sure that you subscribe and you share this fine podcast feed with your friends, with your family, with your next-door neighbors, with your cousin that you only see at Christmas time, but once in a while they'll send you a meme. They can, you know, learn some things as well. So any sort of help, I will take, honestly, because as a goaltender, I can't score goals, too. i got to stop them. That is my job. That is my role. I cannot score the goals, too, at least. Pecorino does. That 35 does. The spirit of 35 reigns eternally. But um, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us, us, I mean me, and uh, going through a, a, a loss today for your Vegas Golden Knights. I should say yesterday because we are recording this podcast on the 17th of June around 1 p.m., Last night uh, was Game 2 at T-Mobile Arena in which the Montreal Canadiens were able to steal a win under the Golden Knights uh, 3-2. to And really, the biggest difference between Game 1 and a victory for the, the Golden Knights and Game 2 and a victory for the Canadiens is who scored first. And I know that's like one of the most basic, like, oh, if you score the first goal, obviously you're going to have a better chance to win. But, like, honestly, though, guys... Like, with Montreal, it's a different beast. If you were watching last night, the first period started out very similar to that uh, it did in, in Game 1. Lots of speed, lots of pressure, big-time chances going uh, uh, going in the way of, of the Montreal Canadiens. They were able to forecheck, able to get some chaotic energy in front of Marc-Andre Fleury. 
and uh, get the head spinning of the defensemen for the Golden Knights that are trying to break the puck out. But the breakouts were, again, a really tough sled for the Golden Knights, and they were trapped down in their zone a little bit. And the Montreal Canadiens end up getting on the board first. And until they played the Golden Knights in Game 1, they had won something like seven straight games and some ridiculous number of minutes where they have spent leading. And that's that's the crazy thing about them because if you don't have a roster that is comparable talent-wise, you have to win by strategy. You have to get the upper hand, and that's exactly what they did. And they kept that pressure up. They kept that speed up. Honestly, there's no room for error in the Vegas Golden Knights D zone last night. Even on just puck retrievals. You know, if the, the Canadians dump the puck in, the Vegas Golden Knights D go down, try to collect it. Like, the Canadians were on them right away from the blue line as they're entering the D zone. Like, they're within a couple of feet. And so not only is Vegas having to go balls to the wall, skating, you know, 110% all the way back down instead of kind of having that all right, let's regroup, we'll get the change, you know, time and space, we're, you know, we're controlling this game. It was the direct opposite. And so they're like, you better make the right decision right away. That split-second decision better be the right one because if it's not, this puck is going to stay in the defensive zone. This puck is going to get turned over, and it's just going to be more suffocating pressure and chances for a team that goes all in on their first period effort because after that first period in which Montreal ended up being up two to nothing, they outshot the Golden Knights 12 to four. But for the rest of the game, as I look at the uh, box score right now, in the second period Montreal only had four shots versus the Golden Knights 10 in the third. Montreal seven shots versus the Golden Knights 17 for a grand total of Montreal 23 shots and the Vegas Golden Knights 31. And the number, the quantity doesn't matter because it's about the quality, right? And if you get a two, if you spot the Canadians a two nothing lead, it's gonna be a really tough uh, scenario for you to climb back in. But once they were able to grab that lead, Montreal basically was able to play super aggressive, super free, as we kind of talked about how they were pressing um, the Vegas Golden Knights breakout, but also in the neutral zone, in the zone entries into the offensive zone for the Golden Knights. The the Montreal Canadiens stepped so much earlier so they would initiate that physical contact almost right when the Golden Knights were skating over that blue line because all they're trying to do is disrupt the puck carrier trying to get that puck not moving in the direction that it wants trying to get that puck popped up trying to get uh, a guy to the boards a battle of some sorts you're just looking for any sort of deviation because at that point the Montreal Canadiens had done enough to earn the physical leverage yesterday we were talking uh, in the playmakers previewing the game and and the keys to success for the Golden Knights. And one of the things I said was playing slippery. And what I meant by that is that you got to be ready for the contact. You want to, you have to make sure you aren't surprised and stood up. And when you're the team that isn't in the driver's seat, when the momentum is working against you, it's really tough to be that player in a 50, 50 battle that manages to writhe him or herself free or his or her stick free to make that play on a, a loose puck. They did the Golden Knights did not have the ability to be that first person to to put themselves in that position because Montreal had so much going for them. And so with Montreal stepping up earlier in that neutral zone, you're turning those pucks over and you're getting, you know, with with 
the non-puck-carrying Golden Knights players trying to gain speed through the neutral zone with the skates going the wrong way. So all of a sudden, not only have you turned the puck over, but everybody else is going the opposite direction in which the puck is heading now, and now Montreal has numbers and a full head of steam. And again, in the offensive zone, they did something quite similar as well. They would just step a little bit earlier. They wouldn't allow the Golden Knights time and space to get that puck down low to create. So there was a lot of shots from the outside right when they were getting over that blue line at the end of a shift and just kind of sending it towards the net. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that the only two pucks that beat Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens last night were off of faceoffs. Four out of the six goals scored for the Golden Knights so far through the first two games of this series have been directly off of faceoffs. And those things can be rectified. I mean, even the head coach of, of the Canadiens, Ducharme du, du or Ducharme, whatever, said after or after the, the game last night. Yeah, we, we knew what we needed to do for coverage. We just didn't execute it coverage-wise. Like, that's going to be fixed. That's going to be rectified. Because sometimes that's just the difference of one guy standing, you know, two feet to the left versus the right. Or doing a crossover versus kind of a hop step to get in a shooting lane. But either way, Alex Petrangelo was the only guy that was able to get those pucks through. Um, off those face-offs. First one, he just kind of shot it from the from the corner, goes through a bunch of traffic on the ice, beats Carey Price 5-hole. And then the second one, he just steps down into wide open space because, like I said, blown coverage by the Montreal Canadiens. He notices all that dead space, collects that puck, and then somehow shoots it right through Petrie's legs uh, as he's going out for a block, and then he beats Carey Price. About, uh, if, if Price was in his butterfly, shoulder height, short side, so glove. Um, and, and I think that's an indicator of the Golden Knights inability to kind of create that offense more organically right now because off the faceoff you can catch people if they're not minding their P's and Q's like you can take advantage obviously but in the actual flow of the game and especially in game two last night all Montreal they were right up in their face at every point of the ice and you can't not convert on the power play when you've allowed Carey Price to basically take over a game. He made some big-time saves, and the Golden Knights fed into him. But either way, the legend became the goaltender. And when you hit a couple of posts, like that two-on-one with Pacioretty, or or he had a couple of near misses, but he had a couple of saves where I'm just like, holy shit, what am I watching right now? Like, up in the press box for my, you know, less-than-ideal seat in the corner. But I, honestly... I wasn't joking when I tweeted last night that Carey Price is a god, and and he was rolling. Once he's in that mindset, you have to convert on the man advantage. There's only two power play opportunities. Both of them went to the Golden Knights last night, and they came up short in both. And after that second one, after that second one in the in the second period, and they came up fruitless, and that I knew that that game was basically over because you know that Carey Price is going to find a way to make those numbers work for him to have enough breathing room where he's made enough saves, enough of those saves, that save, that should be a goal, to last out the rest of the 60 minutes. And so it just seemed like the Golden Knights were putting that chiropractic adjustment, kind of straitjacket thing we've talked about before, in which it looks like they're doing a lot of work, a lot of busy work, but the gear on the bike is at a one or a two. So even though the legs are moving, it's not like you're getting that much traction in the tires. Uh, Some other numbers that could help illustrate a better picture of what transpired in game two last night again three to two loss for the gold knights they will now go up to canada bell center in montreal first canadian trip of the year 
Um, and, and the Canadians are walking out with a split, which is basically a win because anytime you take a game from someone's home ice, especially the team that has technically home ice advantage, that usually spells good things for you. And I think they, the Canadians have stolen a game from someone on home ice in every series, and I'm pretty sure the Golden Knights have dropped a game on home ice every series besides maybe the Avs technically. Is it? Yeah, Avs. They did in Minnesota. I know that. Um, but Montreal, 20 20- Six block shots to the Golden Knights, 18. Giveaways, five for the Canadians versus 10 for the Vegas Golden Knights. Hits, 53 for the Montreal Canadiens versus the Vegas Golden Knights, 45. And if you take any of these statistics just singular, uh, singularly and are trying to look for the full illustration of what went awry in that game, you're not going to find it. Like, you just have to look at how that game was played last night, which was with a ton of speed with Montreal and they were able to convert early. That didn't transpire in game one, so the Golden Knights were able to keep keep the puck out, find their legs, and get things going uh, in the latter half of that first period, but mostly through the second. But if they were down one nothing last night, maybe Vegas gets has a little bit of an easier time, but 2 nothing is just too uh, big of a gap in this playoff season against this team, against that particular goalie. So it didn't matter that Vegas was trying to push because Montreal managed to keep them to the outside, those singular shots off the the rush high in the zone, and uh, Vegas just wasn't able to really get to the middle and 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 hold Montreal down in their zone for for very long. Where you're taxing their legs, where you're getting more penalties called, where you're keeping Carey Price more in his crouch, where you're you're extending some some shifts of players maybe that shouldn't be out there that long. And those are you know the the little seams in which you can find goals, and goal scorers last night we already mentioned that, that both of goal, the gold knights goals came from uh, alex pertrangelo is just playing unbelievable but the montreal canadians joel armia who has had five goals in these playoffs got on the board last night to open up the score in that fourth line then tyler Toffoli, who is the leading point getter uh in these playoffs and uh, a name that you just don't want to see on the score sheet because that means that their top guys are getting looks and finding ways to uh to to get their job done he scores that second goal uh, towards the end of the second period, which wasn't a great goal for Flurry to give up, but when any time you have a lateral pass moving across, Flurry's already you know pushing across in his butterfly slide. It was kind of a change up shot, and we've seen him get beat on those before. But when you look to beat a goalie, it's if his feet, if his or her feet aren't set, you have so much better of a chance to to get to get a puck past the goalie than you would if their feet are set. It's not even close. You want to shoot that puck when they're in motion. And that's why, even if it's a little bit of a of a, of a miss, a little bit of a whiff, a dribbler on the ice, it can still beat goalies five-hole because you're just not at your full capacity to control everything, to close every hole, to, to really fully control your own destiny as much as you technically can as a goaltender which is really not that much we just like to pretend we can that's why we have all of our little um superstitions and our 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 little quirks and stuff because we can control that about ourselves but not the chaos outside the blue paint and so there's a lot of self-soothing involved to go with that position and you know uh carrie price is one of those guys that is truth truly unflappable in, in so many ways just the way that he moves and like Mark Andre Fleury is such a different style goaltender, such an athlete, so acrobatic, so fluid. It's what makes those saves 
um, so so amazing to watch. It's what makes those poke checks, you know, when they when they go well, so amazing to watch. But clearly, the the Canadians were watching tape because on that third goal against for the uh, for the Canadians, the Paul Baron one, he read Flurry like a book. He knew Flurry was going out for that poke check before he even got into the offensive zone. And sometimes you go back to the well too many times and you get beat, but you still have to respect the fact that. You go for that decision, and that's what Flower is. He's always willing to sell it all out to make the save. And more times than not, that mindset wins you games. But last night was not one of those cases. Last night's game was one of those cases where Carey Price, he had to make some pretty crazy desperation saves, cross-lateral cross saves like that. Um, he had a couple more backdoor ones. It was he. It's unbelievable. But like I said, previewing the series and entirely ahead of game one and, and, and this type of theme will 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 continue. Who blinks first, goalie-wise? Because we have two of the best that have ever played, two of the best in their generation, and that have so many narrative ties that we've kind of touched on and won't go into here because they're exhausted. Um and last night, we did. We blinked first. That's what we did. And so that changed everything. Golden Knights, no fun to no fun to be the team that that chases. Uh, they they are fully capable of of coming back. We've seen that several times in this postseason. Their ability to respond has been excellent, but it's easier to play defense than it is to play offense. It's easier to take something away than it is to create something. This is one of those life lessons. Like it's easier to be a critic than it is to be an artist because you're not actually coming up with something organically if you're if you're a critic you're just critiquing somebody else's work so game three in uh, montreal obviously will not be a full capacity building i think they said like 3,500 people are gonna be in there but you know that they're gonna be loud you know that they're gonna be vibing just off of the fact that they stole a game from the Golden knights that they're returning home that uh, it was a, a very much on-brand win for their squad. And then they get names like Jeff Petrie, and obviously we're very familiar with one Mr. John Merrill here in the Las Vegas Valley. But Petrie brings so much to that team, and obviously the bloodshot eyes are, are kind of a, a, a commodification of t- hockey toughness. And we use that as fuel. We all do. The stitches. Oh, this guy got his teeth knocked out. He went back to the locker room, got the stitches. Now he's back out here. What a hero. My God. I mean, we just, we love that shit. It's so, so unhealthy. But it serves the sport. This is the problem with sports. Most of the stuff in sports is extremely unhealthy. Like, playing goalie in that position is a breeding ground. A breeding ground for people with OCD tendencies or, or mental illnesses. I'm not saying it attracts. I'm not saying that it creates, but it fosters that type of behavior. It fosters that mindset. And that's problematic about pushing yourself to the limit, about um, greatness, is that if you want to get a certain skill set to 100, well, we can give you those points, but those points have to be taken away from a different category. And sometimes it's health-related. Most of the time with hockey, it's health-related. And... You just, from the get-go, from the second you put those skates on as a mite or, or, or even before, you are force-fed that culture of we before me, pain is temporary, tough it out, don't stay down unless it's a real emergency. And it's all fair because it's, it's, it's a, it's a high-speed, high-impact game. There's a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of uh, things that can go awry. 
But sometimes it's a little bit too much in one direction. Sometimes it's a little bit too disassociative. And that's one of the things that I've had to unpack in my years uh, since my competitive career ended. Um, what is it, 2021? So it's been about six years now since my senior year at St. A's. Um, and, and then so much of just like your personality in general is shaped around being the best teammate or athlete you can be you start self-selecting you start taking away menu options no I'm not going to go to prom because I have to go to hockey or I have a I have friends on that hockey team and it's our banquet there so I want to go to that instead of prom or I'm not going to go on spring break because we spent money on new skates this year and or we have a tournament in a few weeks or we have to pay for hockey camp like all these little things like I said those points being taken away from other categories to put in the basket that is hockey that is Lindsey Brown or or player X is development and that has a, a cumulative cost that has an immediate cost of, of your of your social life then but that accumulative cost because if that's a decision that you continue to make if that's the mindset that you continue to employ well then that becomes your personality that becomes your lifestyle that becomes in some fraction who you are and that's why I think it's so many of us struggle when our careers end because a lot of us have spent most of our lives completely over developing not just certain muscle groups but certain aspects of our personality and and leaving others dormant leaving other social skills dormant and granted I'm not fully socially equipped as much as everybody else is I know that everybody has their own kind of um, cocktail of, of personality. I know I struggle a lot with it because I have ADHD and I'm, I'm, I'm on the autism spectrum as well. Um, and I'm just kind of one of those independent thinkers too. And so I've, the goalie environment was perfect for me (laughs) and, and, and very much super hyper perfectionist, um, wants to get down to the nitty gritty. What did I do on this glove save here? Do I need to move my hand another two inches in? Do I drop my elbow in a half second earlier so I don't, you know, kind of jam myself up as the puck goes into my stomach? I, I loved tinkering with that shit with my dad, with my goalie coaches, with everything. And because most people aren't willing to go to that length. And so the, the kids that are, the players that are, you get positive reinforcement from people who are also wired the way that you are. And so if you're trying to be an elite athlete and that is a type of behavior or mindset or, or level of sacrifice or focus that is called upon. Oh, good job, Linz. I'm surprised you noticed that. Like that's very forward. They give you like how mature, you know, it's just, it's easy to feed into that and to excuse other things away to, to say, well, even though something just popped in my hip on that on that last two-on-one drill, I'm going to keep playing through because it's not painful. It's just a little loose, and hopefully it's okay. And usually it's okay, but now I'm sitting here six years later, and hopefully, knock on wood, there's a lot of years ahead of me where I do a couple of shuffles as a joke going through security to get into T-Mobile Arena for the game last night, and I jokingly kind of zoom through, and I think I, I, I pull something, I, my hip flexor. Because they're so wound tight, because they're so overdeveloped. And it's not because of that practice, but it's the mindset of that practice of saying, my body tells me I'm in pain, but I'm going to choose to not listen to it. I'm going to choose to override. I'm going to choose to put that in the back of my mind because 
I need to play hockey. Right now, it's the easiest time in the world to do it. It's the Stanley Cup semifinals. Like, you're on the actual road. Like, if there's any time where I'm like, yes, knock my teeth out, by all means, for the Stanley Cup, this is the time. But my ass wasn't playing for a Stanley Cup in, in that practice, in any of those games, because that's, that's not in the cards for me. And so, but that mindset remains, because that's what hockey is. And that's the crux of the problem when we talk about head trauma. That's the crux of the problem when we talk about, you know, just like I, I said before, listening to your body, validating what you think. Because I'm literally just learning, not even learning, I'm just learning how to recognize what my body is telling me. And then, then it's the other step of listening to it. Because it's not like my brain is like, oh, your hip hurts. Okay, no tennis today or, or no sports day. Because I have another voice in my head saying, well, if you take today off tomorrow, if you tomorrow will be easier to take off. If you take today off, well, you're not going to be as good on the show because you don't get a workout in. You have friends there. You like playing tennis. What if you, you this is a day where you hit really well? Like, there's all these arguments that you can kind of use to convince yourself to do something. And this isn't, you know, something that you guys don't know. But this is where another hyper development as an athlete um, where you can talk yourself in and out of stuff, left and right, and kind of put those consequences in the back of your mind. And that's what's scary. Um, and that's where that honesty has to come from the player with, with themselves. And then hopefully institutionally that you have the, the right people with, with the player's best interest at heart. Um, and, and the protocols necessary to catch and, and to support people that may want to hide things that may really struggle during the rehab process because we all do because we all want to be out there and there's this kind of isolation that always happens when you do get injured because it's the next person up mentality they're still playing and so are you technically but you have to get better the the game and the show still goes on without you that's a very very isolating and and tough place to be especially when you're trying to go through a process of getting better of healing and not having that that place of support and straight up hockey hasn't been the most supportive from an institutional level whether that's you know from from the nhl shield whether that's from players associations whether that's from coaches or at the youth level or or when you get older but that's the thing there's no such thing as a perfect system at the end of the day we're playing a game that's incredibly dangerous we're skating around with knives on our feet and trying to hit each other and put this little rubberized um, rolly thing or slidey thing into into a net. Like this game isn't for the faint of heart, and this game isn't supposed to be non-contact. So you get what you sign up for. You sign up for the glory. You sign up for the camaraderie. You sign up for the we and all the great things that it brings. But it brings bad things too, and that's that's hockey. Like some days you can show up, and in the first ten minutes you're getting absolutely you know, barnstormed, but you ride it out, you find your legs, and all of a sudden you, you ride to a, a four to one win. Like the Golden Knights did in game one. And some nights that exact scenario starts to play out in those opening minutes. And the other team finds a way to get the puck behind your all world goaltender. And everything is different. Just off of one little play, one little deviation away from the norm. But that's sports that's hockey. We are all knotted up in the series. Everybody is. Uh, the uh, the Islanders and Tampa Bay series is also 1-1. They will be playing tonight. But 
in terms of where this Golden Knights uh, team is headed for Game 3. They're going to Montreal. Game 2 is in the past. Brush your hands of it and reset and see what transpires in Game 3. You want to have more energy. You want to put up a little bit more of a fight. But it's about making sure that you get your business taken care of before the Canadians do. So if they're able to do that, keep one more puck out of the net than theirs, make one more play, take take a hit to make a play, whatever, any cliche you want to throw out there, all is at their disposal. You know, it's game one doesn't win a series, neither does game two. But regardless, we're going to be here each and every step of the way. We have the playmakers later this afternoon coming up here in a couple hours, but we will keep up with the series as it progresses and the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. Appreciate you all to spend the nightcap. I'm Lindsay Brown, and just go to the next episode because you're a gem and there's more hockey content for you. Bang! Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 